Hey everyone, how you doing? It's Nellie Thomas here. I would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. A few quick things. Our listener numbers are growing steadily and I am so proud. Like we're almost at 50,000 downloads after only a handful of episodes and my God, that's ace. But for the podcast to last long term, I need a stable of regular, consistently listeners every week and the best way to achieve that is actually through word of mouth so if you can help me out please tell your friends share the podcast and every single time someone rates and reviews the podcast you help other people find it it's a really crowded market out there but I reckon we've got something special so fingers crossed we can build on this solid audience now another thing your listener calls are the best chuck out the rest If you have a question or comment or a story to share with me, please go to NellieThomas.com and follow the links or there's a link in the show notes here. I would really love you to take a chance, send me a message and you just might hear it on an upcoming episode. Look, we've got a live show coming up. Yay! Our first live show. It is on Saturday, the 1st of April in Melbourne as part of the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. It will feature me and some of your favourite co-hosts, including Scott Brennan, Cal Wilson and Harley Breen. Put it in your diary and watch NellieThomas.com or our socials for tickets and information. Lastly, can you please consider signing up to Dear Nelly Plus for bonus content every month? So you get an extra episode a month, and if you sign up for $5, you help me pay all the people involved in making the podcast. Again, all that info and guff is on NellyThomas.com, and there's always links in the show notes. One quick thing, finally, this is a sex, dating, and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So off your 
Yes, a mouth would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. And today I am joined by a very, very special co-host. I think I'm going to refer to you, Emma Race, as an entrepreneur. Oh, I love that. Would Is that how you would describe yourself? Yeah, it actually is. Because I, I look at your CV and I go, I can't categorise you. No, I got to a point, I did a leadership course with the AIS because I do work in sport. Yes, so, so AIS, AIS, the Australian Institute yes. of Sport. I'm not a sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, probably a hammer thrower. Um, oh, but me too. I would have I would have loved to have had a turn at that. But they kind of, they were working out our leadership styles and they said I was a thought leader. And Correct. And I was like, yeah, I'll go with that. Yes. And then I looked up other thought leaders and it was like Hitler. Oh. Um, <laughs> You're not Hitler. Dalai Lama. Yeah, yeah no, Dalai so Lama somewhere in take. between there. So, yeah. yeah, I do a lot of things. The way I explain it is I kind of say I create programs where I see a niche or a need. Yeah. Yeah, to me, you you like if – I mean, I'm stretching my sporting knowledge, <laughs> but I'd go you're like a, a Simone Biles kind oh, of figure. Keep talking now. You're a Michelle Obama. You're a – you know, you're one of those people who you kind of got – well, I guess Simone Biles, we do know what she does, but – you sort of go, I'm not exactly sure how to categorise you, but I know you're making a lot of change and it seems to me that you don't really care what the platform is, if it's a your very successful podcast, Out of Sanctum, or it could be producing or it could be managing or it could be performing. You'll do anything as long as you're motivated by the, what's the right word? It's not ideology. Well, it's the outcome or making change or disrupting. And yeah. I'm, I'm really led by justice. And yes. feminism and yes. equality. So yeah. they're my big flags and I'll use anything I've got at my fingertips to make those changes. Yes. The funny thing about the word entrepreneur is it makes it sound like I make money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, social justice is well known to be a money spinner. And women's sport is also it a huge is, way to make yeah. money. And yeah. I, look, I would say most of our listeners would probably know you through the Outer Sanctum. Yeah, I, I guess so. It's funny to be on a podcast and certainly talking about something that's so outside of the realm of what I usually yeah, do, which yeah. is talking about sport. But we've I've had a podcast for uh, 10 years now and yeah. so we were early adopters. And the focus of the Outer Sanctum is women in sport. Yeah, we talk about sport through the lens of human rights and feminism. Yeah. And so it's, it is still niche because we yeah. are mostly talking about Australian rules football. But of course, we do talk about um, legislation that is worldwide and yeah. affects people. And were you sporty? Were you sporty spice? No, I pretended I was sporty spice. I would have loved <laughs> to have been. And I guess that that's one of the drivers for me is that AFLW started a mm. year after we started the podcast. Yes. And it still it really hurts. Actually, the origin story of me not playing footy is embedded in one of my relationships. Wow. Which is quite painful. And yeah. and I have a lot of regrets, but you know, 
ultimately it was up to me and um and I I would have loved to have known what that path looked like I'm I'm really great at marking and yeah. I'm really great at kicking. Yeah. I don't have a very good idea of game style because I never played. I yeah. played in the community cups. I used to work at Triple R. So yes, I played yes. in a couple of community cups, which was so much fun. I took it way too seriously. <laughs> oh, and well, as a competitive person would do. Exactly. So for international listeners, AFLW is um, Australian football, the women's league. And when you say marking, you mean catching the ball. Catching the ball right? above your head. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at do you that. know AFLW is the only contact professional contact sport for women in the world? I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So women who like to use their bodies in a physical way yeah. and want to play a professional sport, they do come here from Ireland and from America wow. to play. That's why we do get those kind of recruits. Now I'm like running through sports in my head because I think of netball as a contact sport, but well, that's because I was a bruiser. Yeah, game you on, mole. <laughs> game on, mole. Like if you're a big girl, you're going to get amongst it. Goal defence. God, G-A, darling. Oh, G-A. You As if I was ever going to do GD. You are Tom Brady. <laughs> Look, you don't I know who that is, do you? Really, Tom Brady from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard oh, no. Who's Tom Brady? Me. Oh, don't even worry about it. He used right. to be married to Giselle. Who's Has, Giselle? Oh, Giselle the supermodel. Oh, the singer? She, no. <laughs> Now I'm thinking Zootopia. Oh, we are going. There's too many There are pop- listeners <laughs> out there who are going, Tom Brady's won like five or six Super Bowls and he's like the oldest right. and the most successful American Super football. Super Bowl's American football. Yes, correct. Hang on, was he on Survivor? No, 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 no. Oh, I don't think so. They've had a but few. So, we're, I mean, look, we're finding look the lab this. over in the Venn diagram, <laughs> Do you Nelly? know what's weird though? I think this will be unexpected to listeners, but I was actually very sporty and my brother, like I play country girl, same, you know, Netball, basketball, softball. I won the shot put. No surprise. Hot. So hot. No surprises there. Not hot at high school. Hot in retrospect. Mm, mm. Um, And my brother was drafted to the AFL and was like a professional coach. So sport was actually a huge part of my life. But then I think I sort of rejected it once I started to become a wanky intellectual. And also if you're – if you are queer identifying, yeah. those spaces are not always no, very not nice. Um, nice. And yeah. also, but, you know, talking about country sports and the reasons why you would have been so good at netball and, and chop and all of them is because it's the hub of country life yeah. in Australia. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of where we try with the Sanctum to do our best work yes. because that's where a lot of the – it's kind of the cornerstone of how we set the cultural norms and yeah. it's – hasn't been set in the right path and it's all been set with just about um, professionalising men. Well, I think it's interesting in a, in a country, from a country girl perspective, or of my age anyway, it felt like it was a real opportunity to know that your body was strong, like it was actually okay to be rough, fit, strong, you know, it was an asset that I was big, you know, and that I, because I'm definitely, built, regardless of weight, I'm built solidly and that was an asset in sport yeah but then the older I got and this won't surprise you the less comfortable I got with that yeah and having to wear the bloomers and your thighs are out and the body you know consciousness and all that sort of stuff like is that changing well it is changing because activists who work in the space and there's a couple that we've met through the sanctum who have actually changed you know the school uniform policy for playing sport and what we know and statistics always show this i've now turned this into a sport podcast my apologies to every all the normal listeners because this actually feeds into your relationship history which we're going to get on yeah it does and um is 
a lot of girls drop out at the time that they go through puberty yeah. because a cohort is really important. It's important yeah. to have a friend who's doing it. So mm. if your friends are then more interested in doing things that are not involving physical activity, you're mm. less likely to do it. Also, the way you look mm. is um, is also if kind of being, being told. Yeah, you're being ogled, whether it's safe, whether there's yeah. a safe place for you to play, um, train, whether you're getting yeah. late night times on, yep. on shitty grounds after the men have already trained, mm. whether there's a safe place for you to even um, get changed. Yeah. And then if you add the lens over that, if you're a woman of colour or if mm. you're an LGBTIQ mm. plus person, um, then that might be really challenging and for you remarks, because there are yeah. such binaries in sport. Yeah. So that, I guess, has been... It mm. still continues to be the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning to yeah. have those conversations yeah. and um, and that's why we've started the podcast and from yeah. that lots of other things have grown that I do um, like Making the Call which is my yeah. pathway program for yeah. women in sports broadcasting because what we noticed as well is um, women might – love watching sport but they don't get to hear themselves no. so you can hear daisy pierce now yes. on a friday night and her insight is different because women actually do see things differently yes. throughout you know their experiences around the world and, and bridie o'donnell and yeah, people like that yeah, totally no, like bridie's changed watching yeah. the cycling yeah. and yeah. um and so we just want more of that. And also yeah. there's so many queer people and so many non-binary yes. people who excel at sport. And so yeah. we need those those people in the commentary box yeah. too to share That's that experience. Right. And actually having voice and it can be hopefully be turned into a positive platform. And you are part of that. Well, I like to think you so. You are part of that, darling. So tell me, I was going to start with your marriage, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go back to, because I know your first relationship, your first long-term relationship is sport-related uh, well, it is. Well, kind of. We did bond over football. But I guess what I was alluding to there is I was in a relationship from when I was 19 till I was about 29. Mm. And during that period, I started at university and there was a football team. Right. And I really wanted to play. And his advice to me was they're all just going to be big fat lesbians who hurt you. Don't play. And wow. I just didn't have enough. This is the 90s? Yeah, it was the 90s. Mm. So think, you know, friends... Mm. We're listening to the Counting Crows. I'm wearing a lot of poppy lipstick. Um, and and you've got a fuckwit boyfriend. As it turned out. <laughs> Too far? You said it. What a thing and to I, say. Look, yeah, and it, like he said a lot of really toxic things over, over that 10-year decade, 10-year uh, kind of period. Yeah. And I would have said a lot of toxic things too yeah. because that was the era. Mm. That was what we were growing up in. It's what and you knew. It's what I knew. It's what mm. he knew too. Mm. And and we have subsequently had conversations about this where we're like, we were not our best mm. selves because we've both oh, worked on good. that since. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where I wouldn't say we're friends. Like we we, yeah. we care for each other, but it, it's whatever, whatever. Friendly, but not friends. Friendly, not friends. Yeah. I, I, and it's funny because during that relationship, I gave over, I, I went into it really confident, almost mm. as confident as I am now about myself at 47. And then over the decade just got whittled down and whittled down and whittled down. And my mum made a really astute point about us once we broke up, which I was grateful it was once we broke up, mm. um, that she said, the relationship only ever allowed one of you to be a superstar at a time. Uh, and I think that was kind of true. So you, you couldn't have two people at the top of the ticket. No. And and we both achieved things in, in that 10-year period that were great. But, mm. you know, it's funny. I look at photos. I lived in Sydney for a time during that relationship. And I look at the photos when I'm in Sydney and he's not there. And I look. I am having my hot girl summer. Yeah, yeah. But then when he's around, I've made myself really small. And I'm not mm. saying that was, that was not at all entirely on him. It mm. was... Mm, on mm, me too mm. and so but when I broke up 
when we broke up, I was heartbroken. Mm. And the lovely thing about it now is I realised that everything that I had kind of projected onto him as being the issue, mm. I've now seen that that was an act, actually an issue that I was having with myself. Well, I think one of the things that I have observed in myself, in other women of our age and even in my daughter's generation who's a teenager, there's a really big difference between um, gregariousness and confidence, right? Because you are very – well, I don't know if you identify as an extrovert, but you're good with people, you've got great people skills, you know, you can talk to anyone, all that. I think we misread that and we're still doing it with girl power and all that kind of stuff (laughs) as centred – confidence and it is not the same thing it's not you can go into that relationship and get whittled down because some of it's bullshit like it's actually a bit of bravado yep and in private you're very different totally and I was really raised in a household where like god bless my parents they did their absolute best Mm. but if we were quiet if we were neat Mm. we'd done a good job yes and that set me up for failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now I'm quite messy, quite loud. I'm, yeah. I don't consider myself an extrovert, but I do – I love people and yeah. I love stories. So I'll always gravitate to hearing someone's experience stories. or – yeah, yeah, I would – sometimes I don't even rather hang out with an asshole that can make me laugh than someone <laughs> who's really kind <laughs> but a bit boring. That's someone who's managed comedians. Um, <laughs> but I totally get it. That's actually a real dilemma and I think it's a dilemma in relationships, friendships, a whole range of things. I really love, and I know you do too, I like complicated people. Like I like interesting people and complicated people can sometimes fuck you up. It is true and I'm ashamed to say that post that relationship I was a complicated person. Yeah, right. In what way? I think I was the one fucking people up. Yeah, right. Tell me more. Well, I came out of that relationship and I really – there was a lyric at the time in a Missy Higgins song which um, where she said, I'm scared that I'll be the bad fruit nobody buys. Oh, yes, I remember that line. And that line used to just slay me constantly because he moved on automatically. He left my house, broke up with me, left my house, went straight into – a new house with a new girlfriend. After and they ended up years. getting married. Yeah. Wow. And I really struggled. That's and a punch in the guts. It was a real punch in the guts. Mm. So then I was single for mm. six years. Yeah. And it was in the six years where every single person was my peer was getting mm. married. So I was in a bridesmaid eight times. Eight times. I was going to take you back because when you said 29, I thought that is actually a really – you know, a lot of listeners, not all our listeners, but a lot of listeners is, you know, in their 40s and 50s. And that can be a hard time to break up too. Oh, yeah. But I think 29 for a lot of women is when friends are getting married or they're having babies or they're starting to think about it. And you've ended and presumably you'd built up in your mind that this would be forever and that was the trajectory you were on. Yeah, and I really wanted to marry him. And then like, bang, it's gone. It's gone and it's disappeared and then you're back to square one. Yeah. And... And also not knowing who you are and feeling like the bad fruit Mm. and then putting on a different dress every weekend to be someone's bridesmaid Mm. and just thinking, oh, this isn't happening for me. And my mum, she was 29 when she had me and I'm her youngest. Mm. So I'm like, oh, 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 this is Mm. slipping away. Mm. And But thank God. Like, thank Mm. God. The thing that tore me up was that he didn't want to marry me. The thing that has saved me is that he didn't didn't want to marry me. Oh, girl, (laughs) Preach. My God. And I have to think, if I go back to our, like, feminist forebears, you know, who fucking sacrificed so much, like, we don't give them enough credit, you know, those women who came before. Imagine those poor women listening to us talk like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I know. It's like how can someone, you know, in the 1990s and 2000s who's educated, empowered, you know, I hate the word privilege, but, you know, privilege. Yeah. Um, be sitting there going, but he doesn't want to marry me. To but be honest, the, I think those forebearers would have stopped listening after we got <laughs> Tom Brady and Giselle. <laughs> I'm sorry, sisters. I'm so sorry. So how were you, and, you know, you go into as much detail as you want, but I think it's it's actually very, dare I say it, brave to admit that you had a period where you were also toxic because hurt people hurt people. That's mm-hmm. the truth. And I did. So what did you do wrong? Um. Yeah, I, I role-played all the stuff that he had done to me. I started mm. doing it to other people. If, it, if someone liked me, I couldn't get out of there quick enough. My friends mm. um, nicknamed me Shanghai Sal- Sally because Why? I was like – they said I was like a drug dealer. Like I'd weave Why? my way into these people's lives. Yeah. Um, I was like heroin. Yeah. So you wanted them to get attached. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I wanted to see whether they liked me. Yeah, I wanted yeah, to get yeah. that affirmation and yeah. then I couldn't get out of there quick enough. Yeah. And it would be like – well, I was scratching my skin off. Like I was like, get away, do not touch me. And Well, and then you can run. start to find things that are wrong with them because yep. you're projecting your own shit, yep. right? So you've come out of this relationship feeling rejected, feeling small and going, if I get attention from other people, then that will build me back up. I just wanted to test that I was like, am I still here? Yeah. Am I real? Am I valid? Yeah. And it was awful. I was pretty awful. And there's, there's, there's only two people from that period like – I, I was single for a long time and I met a lot of great people. I mm. had a lot of fun mm. and I made real, I, I made different friends. There was friends within our friendship group who there was just a couple of them who were still single. Mm. Some of them had been married and then divorced So and mm. I was catching them on the other end of mm. that, you know. Mm. And so then we started going out together. It was increasingly more difficult to meet people because all of a sudden everyone was hooking up in that and people were having babies. Yeah. And I was, I was panicked but I was also trying really hard to – I was trying to tap almost everything. I was kind yeah, of like yeah. – when I say tap, not in the sense yeah, of yeah. have sex with everything. But I was just like, is that my thing? Is that yeah, my thing? Yeah. But in that period, there was two people who I dated and they probably copped it the worst because they hung around the longest. Mm. And they are still, to this day, two of the very finest men I've ever known in my life and they really changed me. In fact, they changed me more, I think, than the toxic relationship mm. had because they showed me a whole other life. You know, it was because of them I did stand way. up and yeah. I, I got more invested in, you know, footy or whatever it was and they're still really close. I'm really close with them both still. Did you say sorry to them? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I did. And I know that you know, they probably said things to me about how they loved me and I was not ready to receive that. Mm. And But they both were really good because both of them had really good boundaries. Mm. And I don't know if it's because I pushed them to the edge, but the, I remember when they would shut me out, like they go, like, no. no, you're not speaking to me like that. Well, if we're more generous to younger Emma, maybe that's what you sought out. Like you actually know, you knew, some part of you knew that you needed that because you could have found people with no boundaries. Like they, yeah. they are plentiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I was desperate to make something work. I was yeah. really fearful that I was the one that, that I was the mm. problem. And so like I would have a one night stand and then I would call them and then they'd mm. be like, why are you calling me? That's not what this is. And mm. I was just trying to make something out of anything. Mm. And mm. then these other people kind of showed me, you know, that 
that actually they showed me a bigger life. It wasn't just about mm. the relationship or the hooking up or the physicality mm. or, you know, whatever it was. They the really, validation. Yeah, they taught me how to yeah. laugh and they introduced me to other things and mm. we saw different shows and I saw a thousand comedians I'd never seen before. And, um, and also I realised, I was like, I really dig a man that's older than me mm. and one who can make me laugh and one that likes mm. football. And well, and you found one. We'll get on I to really that. I really nailed that brief. You nailed it. <laughs> You're a footy wife in the best sense of the word. Um, But I think just before we move on from that bit, I think it's one thing to consider is that I reckon the people who have done the most damage, and I'm talking about, you know, toxicity and right up to family violence, usually have no insight or very little insight. The fact that you have insight, I'm not saying you didn't do any damage and you didn't have anything to apologise for, but the fact that you have some insight and were then able to apologize and change these are huge positives so for people listening and for yourself you know who recognize that in yourself we've all fucked up Mm. that is a different thing than being you know the bad fruit that no one nobody wants yeah and actually I think that became my my strength yeah that I really started looking at my behavior and changed I I totally changed and and I just just took a breath. Yeah. And it was when I then went, oh, I'm going to be okay on my own, mm. which I totally thought was going to happen mm. because as much as those two guys were great, they were not my match mm. and they didn't want to have children. I knew I wanted to have children and if I wasn't going to have children, what's the point mm. of like being in a long-term – like I, I was really yeah. like, oh, I'm done here. Yeah. I'm going to be the coolest auntie yeah. you've ever had. I had six nephews at the time, Yeah, really close with my sisters. I was like, I've got family. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm all right. I'm going to. But be I reckon okay. it's that's the one thing that you cannot compromise on. You can't have half a kid. No. Like if you know you want kids and your partner does not want kids, mm. get out. Oh. Like get out as soon as you can. It's no one's fault, but you can't go halfway. If you cajole someone into having kids or you give up that for someone else, you will regret it. Yeah, and I felt. I think I thought the same about marriage. To be honest, because the previous boyfriend was always like no I don't want to get married I don't mm. want to get married and then he obviously did marry someone but oh don't you hate that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um but I and I pretended I didn't want to get married either yeah oh look again I Silly mean girl this is well girl raised in our culture frankly yeah. you know mm. and and maybe even boy raised in our culture as mm. well like you know I think that's a really common story that's mm. one of the reasons I keep banging on about the fact that it's actually really a positive story to have the opportunity to start again at our age or even older because you're more likely to have let that shit go. You mm. will know by that point what you want, mm. hopefully. Mm. Not everyone, but you've got more chance yeah. of that than when you're 19. Well, and which actually blows my mind that anyone's in a relationship at 19. My sisters mm. got married really young, like 23, mm. and then I didn't get married till I was in my 30s. Yeah. And I'm a lot younger than them. Yeah. And so there was no family weddings for like yeah. 20 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and so much changed in that time. And even now when I'm thinking back on this, when I was single and trying to meet people and it was hard and mm. people getting um, married and I was meeting people at weddings or whatever, there was no apps. And I think yeah. about it now, my self-esteem back then, if there had been the apps and mm. I'm such a people pleaser, mm. oh, man, I could have done so much damage to myself. Were you a people pleaser or you still are? I was. I've had yeah. a lot of therapy. Yeah. I reckon that's <laughs> imp- – like I'm sorry to Dr. Phil you, but I reckon that's a really important yeah. like phrasing to change Yeah. because I, I definitely was too, but I feel like I'm – 
significantly less now. Like yeah. I would never say ne- that I'm not mm. because if you raise that weight, it's a fucking hard thing to shake. Yeah. But, geez, you learn a lot if you do the work. Find me someone born pre-1980 who's not a people pleaser yeah. that, you know. Has well, p- frankly, particularly a girl, women. let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. yeah, maybe. So let's flash forward to your footy husband. So you found an old bloke. <laughs> I, I mean, he's only 10 years older, right? I think it's 12, actually. 12 years he's older. 11. But you were 34. Yeah, so I was, thir- yeah, I was 33 or 34. So he's 46. Yep. So yep. he's the age that I am now. Had he been married? Of- no, and okay. that was the weird thing about it. So <laughs> I was you. like, "Oh, what a weirdo! What's that guy? <laughs> Why is he left? What's wrong with him?" It was so. It was and like, he had relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah In fact, yeah. Uh, when we first met, I think his he and his girlfriend had split up, but she was still living in their house. They oh shit! Lived yeah, and so he asked me out, and then he said, "I've got to be honest and tell you that my ex girlfriend is still living in the house," and I took this. I said. I'm part of the sisterhood. That's mm. my number one. Don't call me till it's over. And I yeah. took the SIM card out of my phone. Oh, good girl. I was serious about it. Oh, well done. And then when I finally put it back in about a week later, imagine living without a phone wow. for a week, by the way. What? <laughs> I know, it's different times. What year is this? Yeah, 2008 or something. There was no real mm. – I didn't really have apps on there, yeah. you know. There were no podcasts. No, probably still had a fax <laughs> machine. <laughs> um I thought, oh, he'll fax Smoke me signals. if he wants to see me. <laughs> um, and so then Can I'm- I just say, though, I think this is really important for people listening, just on that note. Sometimes, and I definitely had this a couple of times when I was dating, you can't trust yourself, mm. right? So you might know, even at this age, like I had one situation in particular where I was just completely smitten and I could not trust me. I think that's a very clever thing. Mm. Remove the option delete their number, mm. you know, block whatever you need yep. to do yep. so that you don't sit there at 11 o'clock on Friday night and go, oh, mm. I'll just send her a message. Oh, it's so easy to 11 I'll o'clock just at night, two wines I'll in, just, isn't it? Yeah, like yeah. actually remove the option. Yeah, or, f- or pretend to yourself, oh, there's actually a reason I need to contact him. Oh, my God, is, yeah. Right? I think I left I think a I, yeah. T-shirt. Well, so we'd not had any interactions. We'd, yeah. we'd met and we'd talked and we'd actually been in the same room. So we had mutual friends. I was a talent manager at the time. Yeah. And so my husband um, was hosting a TV show called Before the Game, yeah. which is a football show. Yeah. And, and a lot of the clients that I worked with and also my friends were on that show and they're all comedians. And um, and so we just kept meeting. We met three weekends in a row. I'd been travel- I went travelling for three months by myself. I spent a month in – it was a bit of an eat, pray, love, but with the praying. I love this for you. I know. It was so good. I actually really do though because I can see – I can see this – I mean, I didn't know you then, but I can see little Emma – and, you know, little, you're 30, yeah. but, you know, I can see this woman rebuilding. Yeah. And I was – Messy. So it was so messy. But rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. So I took off. I'd been I'd been hosting a TV show. I finished it. I'd got a new job as a you – know, I was going to talent manage. I was actually going to become the, a manager at the place where I had been on their books, yeah, yeah. which is really a shit sandwich to eat, to be quite honest. Um, and so That then sounds great for it your self-esteem. It was great for my self-esteem because like, you haven't failed. Let me put you, you still work this here job that in I the mail have. room. <laughs> I'm genuinely laughing Genuine, about it now. No, I get it. I get it. Anyway, uh, so I went to um, France. I went to Italy with my sister and and then I went to New York for a month yeah. and then I came back. And I remember my last diary entry on the way back was, um, I'm going to nail this. I'm going to be the best auntie. I'm going to have money now. 
because I'm not going to wow. be working in broadcasting. And so you'd gone. I'm out. I'm out. Like I I'm can't. Out. I'm. I'm the bad fruit. Yeah. I'm not going to do this. But I didn't feel bad about being the bad fruit. No. I like, you sort you of know, accepted it. I used to say things to my mum like, "There's nothing as useful as yeah. an unmarried daughter." Yeah, for sure. And a string bag. I'm going to be maleficent. And look after you when you're older. Yeah, I'm going to be the hot auntie. People yeah. aren't going to know what I did the night before. Look at me go. <laughs> you're going to be, be Jennifer Coolidge, <laughs> basically. But, you know, actually I won't say that because it'll be a spoiler. Um, but then you meet old Andy. Yeah, and then I met Andy. And you and fell in love immediately. What happened? It was so weird. We were at a um, – so for anyone who's a football fan playing along at home, yeah. my team Hawthorne had played his Number team. Number holder. I am. He had played that. Our team had played Carlton in the last match, home and away match of the year. And Buddy Franklin kicked a hundred goals hey. that season. He kicked his hundred. Even I know that. Yeah. Yeah. And then and Fev got stuck on ninety nine, oh, which was yeah, which was a big issue for them. Anyway, mm. I got a text from Limo. Um, mm. I was out drinking with my friend Anthony Limo Lehman. Yeah, and he said, "What did you run on the field? Where are you? Where at this pub?" And I was like, "Oh." I'm two doors down so yeah. well, I was like oh come on up and so I went up and there's all the before the gamers were there yeah and we ended up getting locked in in this oh. like a pub you know they closed the doors but mm. then there was just like a table of us and a bunch of my friends were there all comedians and um and Andy just walked across to me and he goes who are you I see you everywhere and you know everyone I know and I don't know who you are. Oh, and wow. my friend who was with me was like, oh, she's blah, blah, and just starts PRing me and I was just like, oh, whatever. Do you know what? That kind of confidence is hot. It was so. Right, to walk across the room yes. and go, hey, mate. I've seen you. I've seen you yeah. around. I've been looking. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. It and it's not nice. sleazy, no. but it's confident. No. And oh, then, well played. And then we, so we, we sat, we stayed there and we drank and we laughed or whatever. And then um, I said at about 3 a.m., I think I'm going to go. Yeah. And then he goes, okay. And then everyone else was like, oh, you're going to stay. And I think Mick Malloy said, what are you going to do, Murray? Are you going to stay or are you going to go? And he said, well, if the only reason I've been staying is leaving, I may as well oh. go. <laughs> <gasps> it's probably the most romantic That's thing he has so ever said to me in cute. 14 years. I've got goosebumps. I know. And then we went, we got a souvlaki on the way home, both stunk of garlic, and yeah. my friend was with us, yeah. and he just <laughs> dropped us home. Oh, wow. And then and we four were, months later, he got married. Yeah, four months later, we got engaged. Wow, or engaged, yeah. yeah. Jesus. So four yeah. months later, you're engaged, then you get married, you've got three kids. We got pregnant on the honeymoon. Holy moly. So how long have you been married? Been married for 14 years. And, and how's it going? It is good. Yeah. And it's getting better. I can't even fathom so tell me, how or tell why. Me. Well, I don't want to sound like a smug married asshole. Do you know what? It's okay. Like I reckon, if pe- I hope anyway, if people listening to this podcast, they will be happy for people who are happy. My thing is if you are not happy, get the fuck out. Yeah. But if you are happy, I rejoice in your mm. happiness. Like mm. if you're making it work and yeah. you love each other and – amen, sister. Like go for it. Well, it's a weird institution but yeah. I, I for one was really happy to lock him down because I think he yeah. was <laughs> I think he was working the circuit for a while. Um, and he was not at all what I was expecting. Mm. He wasn't what I was looking for. Mm. Um, he says stuff like huru. Yeah. All so the time. Quite, I mean, he's not blokey, but he's sort of Aussie. No, he's Aussie yeah. and he's football. And this is very, very interesting because out in the general public, people take that as misogynist. And so people will come up to him and say like, oh, did you check out the dits on that one or whatever? And he's like, I'm going to punch you in the face. 
He's Gee, such that's a feminist. To yeah. me because I, I mean, I've never met Andy in person. And I've only ever seen him on TV and I would never have read him as a misogynist. No, but and I'm the on culture the lookout. is the culture is <laughs> very misogynistic. Sure. And so a lot of punters go up to him and they'll they'll have a conversation that he's just like, I don't believe in that, I don't think that I but don't mate, people do whatever. that to me. Yeah, of course they do. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think they just think, Oh, you you're being polite on radio. Yeah, right. But you really are yeah. like, hey, look at her tits. I'm like, are you fucking mental? Kidding me? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. No, he seems, he's no, always he's seemed decent. a delight to me. And yeah. he's just like, he's so self sufficient and so, that sounds weird, but like, he has no emotion. He has, like, I, tr- I trawled through all his emotional baggage. I'm like, this yeah. one hurt, this one hurt, this yeah. one. And he's like, nah, nothing, got nothing, so got nothing, got nothing. Calm. He's so calm. And you're not calm. Before I met him, the highs of the highs, the lows yeah. of the lows, without being diagnosed. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. like really things can get yeah. me really up and things can get me really down and I'm a massive empath. This yeah. is a man, and I joke, I say, you're like a cardboard human. Mm. You just. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Walks through the world. He. Teflon. Teflon, mate. Teflon yeah. doesn't age. Still yeah. has the body of a 16-year-old girl, which I'm so jealous of. Um, he has the sensibility of a gay woman, which yeah. makes me so happy, and the music taste. And we is he an honorary Leso? He is, yeah, hey. which means by default so am I, hey. really. And he just was like, he just takes things as they come. I was like, why haven't you been married? And he's like, yeah. oh, I don't know, never thought about it. Yeah. So on one of our first dates, we are walking, oh, walking home after the Hawthorne 2008 Grand Final and we'd only been seeing each other for a month maybe. Mm. And I said, how come you never got married? And he goes, oh, I guess I'm just not the marrying kind. And I said, I'm going to stop you right here. I'm going to mm. call you a cab. We are done. And he goes, oh, 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 oh hang on, <laughs> I might hang, be on now. hang on, I might be. hang on. Yeah. We mm. literally stopped out the front of the Richmond Town Hall. Mm. And I said, do not take one more step with me if that is not on the cards. See, look at this growth. 20-year-old yes. Emma. I knew what I wanted. You would not have done that. I could not have done and that. And I tell you what, if you were – you know, single now, you wouldn't do it nah. either. So that's the good news. That's the about, good news. You know, starting a little bit later. Yeah. You know that you knew. No, there's no point pursuing this because I want this. Also, it was such a lesson in just saying what I wanted. Yeah, that's right. Just oh laying God. it down. He didn't care. Yeah. He didn't have cared if I said I didn't want it. Like I just said what I wanted, yeah. and then yeah, and so then it happened. All right, so one of my favourite segments is called Armchair Expert, where we get to opine on things that we are unqualified to do so. (laughs) So I saw on Instagram there's an account by Peggy O'Mara that I follow, and I just want to put this to you. She put out a post that said, the way we talk to our children becomes their inner voice. Now, you are, you know, fire and brimstone and, you know, you're a big ball of, like, public energy, but you're also a really, really dedicated mum. So what do you think about that? I'm sure it does if they're listening to you, firstly. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think they're always listening. I do think they are always listening, especially the stuff you don't want them to hear. They are listening to far more than we think. Yeah, I do agree with it. I and I think because I think back to my own parents, mm. and I've exercised a lot of the stuff that I heard my parents say because of the time. It's mm. not relevant now, um, and I plant a lot of these seeds just because I'm hedging my bets. Yeah, but more than that, I think about the. There was this exercise I did in therapy once, which is like, it's something I think a lot of therapists make you do, where they make you find little you sitting on yes, the beach and talk yes. to little you. Yeah. I get very teary oh, thinking about little me. I'm same. What Absolutely. is that? Well, because you know, I, I've I've quoted this before, but I'll do it again. The um, everything but the girl lyric, like the heart remains a child. You know, like little Nellie's still there, mm. you know, and sometimes she's hurt and mm. sometimes she's scared and sometimes she feels like the rotten fruit that no one wants yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So it's hard to look at her yeah. because I think as adults we develop all these defence mechanisms. Oh, look at me, I'm so confident and I'm so this and that. And then you look at that little girl and go, oh, shit, she's, she didn't go. Mm. She's she's like sitting in my chest. She's the one that I work hardest for, not my own Correct. daughters. But the... The weird thing is I've got two daughters who look a lot like that little girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I see them every day yeah. and I'm like, you're, you're right there. So I've got to, I've got to plant these things. Mm. So, yes, I think – and sometimes I'm testing I'm testing it all the time. Mm. Sometimes I'll have conversations around them, wanting them to hear those yeah, conversations. Yeah, I promise you they're listening. Um, now, this one is a – this is by babyyoda.official on Instagram. <laughs> I just thought you might like this being a long-term marriage since you were so smug. Let yes. me put it to you. Go for it. Dating text, baby, I don't feel good. Married text, I've had diarrhea seven times today. <laughs> it's, there's the romance. How true is that? The only hiccup here is I can never spell diarrhea. Oh, no one can spell diarrhea. No one go, I'm Googling diarrhea. <laughs> Every like, single time. I would say the runs. Yes, exactly. Just um, to get around that. Do you know, I think texting though in a married relationship, yeah. uh, you know, or in a long-term relationship is actually mm. a really helpful tool. Do you do sexy texting? No, 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 no. Well, actually, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes I might ask for sex in a text <laughs> because he's he's like the dude that's always hanging around my house. It's a bit embarrassing sometimes. I go like, oh, I've just had a conversation with you about how to clean out the crisper and now I'm like, do you want to go... <gasps> Yeah. Oh, I find that really. I do you find know that what? A little, a little bit embarrassing. No, this is really interesting. So I went to a play the other night called The Milf and the Mistress, and long story short, it's about a woman who's been in a lesbian relationship for like twenty five years. They've had kids. They live in the burbs. All the rest of it. Anyway, she sexually wants to explore some other things, and she said, "Our sex life is okay, but we've become shy with each other." Mm. And I thought, ah. Oh, so happen. many people can relate to that, I reckon, because if you are doing school runs mm. and have you got the milk and I've got diarrhea and da da da, it shifts your headspace. Yes. Whereas you might have been, you know, freaking the sheets. Sometimes I think of the stuff that we did earlier, and I'm like, yeah. oh, that was with you. Yeah. <laughs> But so I actually think texting, so like our texting stream is mostly like, I'll be home at five. Have yeah, you got yeah, the milk? Yeah. She's got sport, whatever. How about a root? And then sometimes I'll be like, when are we going <laughs> to get busy? But sometimes I find lean, I hate the term get leaning busy, in, but leaning so into it. Like we'll do things like, he does this all the time now, which is so embarrassing for the kids, that we try <laughs> to normalise how much we love each other. Yeah. The, the eldest hates it, nah. hates any discussion of our sex life, yeah. which is when we say discussion of our sex life, we're not yeah. like, you know, crazy. No hippies or anything yeah. but we'll like he'll andy will do things like to our kids 
when they come home from school, we go, did you have a great day or whatever? And then he'll be like, we had a great morning, didn't we, mummy? Oh. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, shut up. And they all go, oh, oh dad. But our little one, our youngest, loves it. Yeah. She's like, oh, do you yeah. love each other? And yeah. she loves watching yeah. us kiss and hold hands. Yeah. And she's complete, she's such a romantic. Yeah. So we lean into it now. We're like, now, it's my daughter's birthday today. I'm like, do you want me to tell you about the moment you were made? Because I remember it was great. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> You're that mum. All right, so should we take some listener calls? Are you yes. ready to bring some wisdom? I love listeners to podcasts. They are my bread and butter and I love them so much with my whole heart. Hi, Nelly. I wonder if you've got some words of wisdom for a stupid single mother who shacked up with a man and nine years later finds out that She's going to lose half her house and half her superannuation if she splits up with him. Thank you. Still reeling. Oh, Emma Race. My empath muscle is just... Can we just say, you are not stupid. Oh, can we please remove that from the conversation? This is a common experience of all genders. Mm -hmm. And you're not stupid. You were obviously in love. Yep. with someone and you did what a lot of people do, which is move in with them. Like this is not like bizarre behaviour. Can I actually posit that she sounds really smart if that person's going to be her ex because he's going to take half her house? I'm yeah. like, oh, I, don't, I feel like nine years in I'd be like, oh, no, 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 dude, that's your house. Mm. Like I'm not going not gonna to tap half your super yeah. for that. So I actually think let's just sub out stupid and say you're actually – sound really smart that mm. that's not a healthy relationship or mm. that you're mm. getting out of it for the reasons that you want. But, you know, with that material stuff, it's so challenging. You, you're going to be mm. so much better place to answer this than me. Mm. The division of assets must be such a tricky time and change the relationship going forward mm. anyway, regardless of like in any breakup. I think it's it's one of the hardest things because you are in the least equipped position emotionally to deal with it. So even in my situation where we were completely amicable, I mean, I'm not saying it was all easy, like there was emotion, obviously. It was it's one the hardest thing I've ever done. But we remain friends, we're both civil, all that kind of stuff. Even then, actually this week the legal stuff was finalised. It took two years, right? And we're not talking, no one was arguing about the division of super or the house or the custody arrangements or anything. It just is a shit show of paperwork and meetings and negotiations and all of that kind of stuff so if you're in this situation where it doesn't sound amicable and it sounds like I mean I'm reading between the lines she had more assets before and is now at risk of losing I mean it's a whole other layer plus you're dealing with the end of a relationship Mm. I mean the first and foremost obviously you got to get legal advice Mm. so even again in my situation I remember sitting with a friend who was a lawyer we had you know, I separated a few months before. And I'm like, we're fine. Like, we're just going to work out. You get this much, you get. And she said, no, you're not. She's like, please don't do that. And she loves my ex. Mm. Like, this is not a, any shit on him at all. She's like, you don't know how you're going to feel in six months. You don't know what happens when mm. one or both of you get in a new relationship. You don't know if a job change it. Like, you have to get this sorted out. And she was 100% right, mm. as hard as it was. So you got to get legal advice. If you can't afford a lawyer, at least go to WIRE or one of the, you know, women's information referral exchange, go to one of the free services. In other countries they'll be called different things and get advice 
Because, I mean, I'm no lawyer, but it doesn't sound like he should be getting half your super. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't know how that works. If it's nine years, if that means de facto, therefore you... We don't have all the info, so we don't know. Does that mean she's also, I mean, maybe that person that she's in the relationship, was in the relationship with, doesn't have enough for her to take half of that either. But I'll tell you one thing is you won't let it happen again. No. So that's not stupid. Mm. Um, I think you need to forgive yourself and yeah. I think that you need to realise that, you know, financial things, the house, the super, that's true. Like that is real tangible stuff. But there might be other things that you've not let that person take from you mm. because you're breaking up with them that are things that are not monetary. Like another gonna, nine years. Yeah, like another nine years. Because like I can tell your you. Your self-esteem, oh. like your friendships, like whatever that those your opportunities. Are. Yeah. Like the amount of people that I speak to, you know, through the podcast and in life in general – who turn around at sort of, say, 60 and go, like, in all honesty, you know, after a couple of G&Ts, I, I wish I'd left at 35 mm-hmm. and I've given another 20 years to something that wasn't working and even if it wasn't acrimonious, you know, to kind of go, that time, I can't get that time back. Don't give him any more time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not in any way trying to trivialise the, the financial impact. I've got significantly less money. That, that's a reality. Yeah. And so is my ex. Yeah. Right? You can't get divorced and run two houses with kids and have the same amount of money. There's no way to do that or the same amount of super. But it's still worth it. But you have to make that call yourself. But I in no way think you're stupid. Yeah. Exactly. This is how this is a story as old as time, darling. Yeah. Really. All right. Should we take another call? Yeah. Hi, Nelly. My name's Mari. I can't wait to hear your new podcast. My question is, I divorced at 41 and then dated intermittently throughout my 40s with the contraception that is teenagers and now well at the age of 50 I was diagnosed with breast cancer had treatment and it's estrogen positive which means that I'm on estrogen blockers and now I have the sex drive of a slug and the interest in the opposite sex of probably a slug also My daughter is also 16, which, you know, we live happily in our house and I don't really feel the need for anyone else. But my question is, at the age of almost 53, I could either have five good years in me until cancer comes back or I could have 20 and it never comes back. What do I do? Do I try and find a companion who's happy not to have sex? Is that too much to ask? Just wondering. Oh, beautiful Mari. Oh, you've got tears in your eyes, Mari's darling. Mari's gone through a lot. Mari's gone through a lot and um, there's a lot more to go through because emotionally she's still – and that's the thing that people don't talk about, I think, with breast cancer or any, any kind of illness. It doesn't stop when you get the clearance. No, the fear you know? just stays in there. But yeah. do you know what I did hear mm. from that is that – Maybe she's not having sexual pleasure, mm. but she's got pleasure in her life. Oh, 100%. And so, I think Mari wouldn't mind a cuddle. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I actually think there's lots of people who would yeah. be happy to be in a relationship where they didn't have to expose themselves sexually. Mm. You know, mm. I think that lots of people, regardless of whether it's come because of cancer or breakups mm. or self-esteem or mm. whatever it is, companionship comes mm. in all different ways 
mm. um, shapes and sizes. And, and there'd be people who are listening to this who haven't had cancer or a divorce who also have the sex drive of a slug. Oh, mate, there, there are can, married women listening to this going, well, yeah. I, I, I haven't had chemo, but I don't want to fuck anybody. <laughs> we don't know that slugs aren't sliding themselves around, yeah. by the way. So, like, any slugs listening, shout out if you're getting it. But I just think that pleasure as you get older, and this is as a 47-year-old, my mm. pleasure sources are many and varied. Yeah. And I don't even think I'd put sex in the top ten. Like yeah. I get so much pleasure from laughter and friendship and painting mm. and whatever it is. Mm. And, and I never thought that that would be mm. me. But your life changes and your situation changes. Look, this is by no means, you know, a scientific study, mm. but I do watch all the dating shows. Yes. And First Dates is probably my favourite one. And they often, one of the reasons I love it is because they have a range of ages. It's not all, you know, 20-year-olds on Love Island or whatever. And a lot of the older men, and when I say older, I'm talking probably 60-plus are seeking companionship. Now, there's some who, you know, still want to root anything that moves and good on them, go get that. But there are plenty who are like, I, literally, I want to go to the theatre with someone. Mm. You know, I want to hold hands. I want to snuggle with someone in bed, you know, on a winter's night. I am 100% positive that there are men out there that would accept um, either a very low sex or a sexless relationship. They're going to be harder to find, but they're absolutely there. But how old's Mary? Was she? F- she's 53. 50, she's 53. If she's looking in the bracket of that, like, 60s, mm. let's put it out there. Men are going through their own stuff at Absolutely. that point. There would be lots of men who are really struggling and they don't know how to have it, how to say, I'm, I, I'm, I can't do it yeah. as much as I would like yeah. to or I think I should have to. And it, not that this is the group that you'd have to necessarily look at, but there are definitely men who've had prostate cancer, yeah. for example, who lose sex drive. There are people, there are humans who lose sex drive as they age just generally I think if my advice, because again, I hate when podcasts is kind of um and ah, and you know, it is ultimately her decision. But if you want advice, I reckon go on the apps, make it clear on the apps that I am looking for a companionate relationship. Right? You don't have to say sexless because that's quite confronting. Mm. But I think I'm looking for a companionate relationship. I am very happy to help you write this, Murray. Like it's, I'm really happy to write this with and for you if you email me. But when you then start messaging, make it clear the situation you are in a few messages down the track. Mm. And don't waste your time. Because yeah. if there's a bloke who actually re- – and there's nothing wrong with that. If, it, if the guy says, actually, well, I need to have a sexual relationship, it's not for you. It's not for you. Is there a possibility, though, that – and I know that there's – kind of a clinical reason why yes. this is happening for Mary. But that it could come back. Yeah. Yes, I wonder that, that too. That it, with the right person mm. or in the right circumstances. Because we've all been in that situation where you actually start cuddling and then you go, mm, oh, well, actually. actually. Okay. Or actually, oh, you look hot but um, mm. this is, nothing's happening for me down here or whatever. Mm. Mm. And But also maybe it's not down there. Maybe it's a whole lot of other stuff that yeah. we don't know that people Absolutely. do that they find. You know, you always find in – I always find this really strange in relationship how you get into a routine with that yes. certain person. Like yes. you two just have this one particular dance yeah. or something, but then you don't have it with other people. I'm like, is it me or is it you? I don't know. Oh, anyway, no, it's the, it's what develops over time. How many – I can't tell you the number of women I've spoken to who've said, and I'm sure you've got friends that have said this, they're in relatively sexless marriages and they say, oh, it's all it's fine. Like I don't even care about sex. Like that's kind of gone for me. Once they get divorced – 
oh my god, you can't peel them off yeah. the next bloke. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of like it's a different. Maybe it's gone in that relationship or for that period of time. With Mari, I don't know. I don't know enough about the physiology of how mm. chemo affects you, but I wouldn't rule it out. I also just think this is a person who seeks pleasure in yes. a lot of different ways and yes. you're loving having your 16-year-old daughter at home yeah. and I loved hearing that. I just feel yeah. like you're someone – she's joyous. Yeah. And so I feel like there's going to be other ple- pleasure sources and maybe that's where you start the dating. You start doing yeah. things, other things that are pleasurable for you mm. and who knows what can come from that. I think Mari's going to give it a go. Shout out, Mari. Oh, I want to hear back from Mari. I'm loving Mari so much. She just sounds like full of life and love. And I reckon, I honestly think a bloke would be just be lucky to be in her orbit. All right. I'm going to read you a letter. In fact, I'm going to ask you to read this oh, letter. Okay, great. We've got a listener letter. This is this is this is a hairy one. Mm. No pun intended. <laughs> like, go for it. Not that many people are hearing anymore. This <laughs> no, is what well, this I is hear true. about. Okay. Hi, Nelly. I'll get straight to the point. I'd like to get your advice around faking orgasms. Hello. Mm. In my 20s, it was probably because I still wasn't confident in the bedroom and I also didn't want to hurt the guy's egos. I would have orgasms. It just wasn't every time. Then I got married and he and I were the perfect match in the bedroom, but I still found myself faking at times. Fast forward to a year post-divorce and I finally wanted to rip off the sex band-aid Ooh, sex <laughs> and promised myself I would not fake again. I finally slept with a man a few times recently and by the third time there I was again faking. In all caps, faking! I was so angry with myself. It was a casual thing, so I just thought to myself, off your fuck. But girl, you need to work on this mm. before your next relationship. Faking disempowers me and it just feels icky and deceitful. I realised I need a post-no-orgasm script. Mm. So what do you say when the motion in the ocean <laughs> was really nice but there was no tsunami at the end? Thanks, Anon. This is so honest. Hey, I, I, I love the honesty. I lo- Come on, let's truth bomb. We've all faked an orgasm. Come on. You've never faked an orgasm. I'm sure I have. I have no memory of it. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I'm out for myself. I'm like, why would I bother faking? I want you to know I didn't come. Even like, when you I were would, young? Oh, maybe to get someone to hurry up and get out of there. <laughs> like maybe. But I'm like. I've got a load of washing to but, do. But Let's also, show on the I'm road. not always, I don't always expect that I will. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, Often, yeah. especially if I can hear the kids in the other room. I'm yeah. like, this is not over yeah. there for me. So, like, I, I feel so bad that this is even a thing on her agenda because mm. – you, firstly, you just want to be authentic, yeah. right? And in ter- but in terms of the script, man, I feel that so hard. Like yeah. you want the script because if if you afterwards, do, do you have to have that conversation? Do you have to do the post game wrap? <laughs> I think it depends who you're sleeping with. I mean, the key for me is if she didn't have the last few lines in it, I would give very different advice. But when she says faking disempowers me and it yep. feels icky and deceitful, then that's very clear cut. You don't do it. Yeah. Right. If if your women are listening and they are faking orgasms and they feel fine about it and they're like, well, I've got to get to little league practice and I just want this shit to be yeah. over. Fucking do what you want. Like that's seriously. That's kind of what I think too. But <laughs> when she says it disempowers, and also yeah. she thinks she's being deceitful. That she that's a very caring person. Yeah. You're really caring about and what also the other person I've got thinks. to say, like the, the the cultural pressure there is real mm. because the fact is it doesn't matter. 
um, how empowered you are, you've still been told that if you didn't orgasm every single time that the person you're sleeping with has done a bad job and that's your responsibility to take care of their feelings. That's that's the lady script. That the other person's done a bad job. You know, like, let's be frank, the, the cultural narrative here is that yeah. he's a bad route because she didn't See, come. I don't think that. Really? Oh, my fear, because I'm a people pleaser, I'd be like, he'll think that there's something wrong with me that I didn't ah, come because okay. the, things were happening, right? Oh, that you're so frigid. I'd, yeah. <laughs> that I'm, oh, she's so uptight. She I've doesn't never even. Told you this. My favourite heckle I ever got was that I was a frigid slut. <laughs> Man, you're ambidextrous. I know. Other than fat mole, that was my other favorite. Oh. Like, the frigid side, like, how does that even work? But you, you're quite right. I think actually there'd be women who would internalize that. Yeah. But I wonder for some men, there is would definitely be the feeling that um, you're managing their ego. There's a thing, and I don't know if this was a trick, but I had a couple of partners in a row a long time ago mm. who were like, "Oh, just so you know, I can't." Yeah, you know, get there in yeah. this position or like yeah. that or whatever. And I was like, I'm such a competitive. Person. I was like, well, well, let's give that, that a ends go. today, right? <laughs> so, is that a potential ploy? Could you do like at the top of the show? Yeah. Say, um, ah, just FYI, sometimes I don't because yes. um, I don't know for whatever reason. And then like I the tiger. As a now, I'm speaking as a 48 year old woman and not what I would have done or said when I was 18 or 28. Mm. But I would absolutely just be upfront and say, tell the truth. Just go, you know what? Sometimes I orgasm, sometimes I don't. These are the things that are most like, these are the conditions under which I'm more. Like you said, if you've got kids in the other room, if you're in a hurry, if I'm exhausted, if I, there's a whole range of reasons, particularly for women. Like how many people say women fuck between the ears? Oh, totally. Like if we've had a fight that day, yeah, you know, like I, I'm done. If you put something in the bin and the bin liner wasn't in there, <laughs> like, there's no way I'm coming that afternoon. If you put an empty bottle of milk back into the, you know, whatever. But in all seriousness, if you, there are certain conditions that a lot of people require, and that is nobody's fault. But it's also men. Like I, I, th- I don't think men always come. Or also, like I think there's an assumption that they do. Yeah, yeah. Let's just like say that doesn't happen. Like it doesn't always happen for everyone. Yeah. And so – And can like, I tell you a truth bomb that, you know, is revealing – well, people don't talk about it, but it's true. Two women together don't always come either. Right. Like that's the truth. I always thought right? that you definitely so would. We, because that's what we – whenever we have the, any exposure to the L word or, you know, how we don't get much exposure to lesbian sex in general. Mm. But there's this idea of, a, you know, almost to the point of it being a joke, mm. you know, that, that women must always – because they know what to do with each mm. other. That's not true. Like two people might have bad chemistry. You might have had a bad day. They might not know your body the way that yeah. you like things. You might not be able to orgasm under certain circumstances, whatever. Yeah. You know, this is a thing that happens between people. So when that chest fart happens. What chest fart? You know the chest fart? When oh, you, the, <laughs> you said the chest fart. No, no, like, no. What? No. Have I missed when, something? When you're like with someone and the fart noise <laughs> happens on your chest and then you can't actually, no one can come after that. Because you're like, I think that was from a chest. I'm not sure. Um, but also, I, I feel like I'm giving away way too much here. But sometimes, even if you don't get there, 
it's nice anyway. But I think that's right? what she's like, saying. So, that's my yeah, point. So, so she, she needs yeah. to, that script isn't for what she says to him. I think yeah, the script is what, what she, she says, says to herself. herself. That's right. I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think most women come all the time. There's just no way. Right? So let's just start. From, that doesn't mean like, you didn't have a good time. That doesn't mean it wasn't worth it. That just means that you don't want to be never coming. Yeah. Right. We're talking about some sort of but middle ground. But she says ground. that she does. Yeah, exactly. So this this is the other thing. Does she know how to make herself come? Because I would hope so. Yeah. So if she knows how to make herself come afterwards, can she just say, "Hey, I didn't, yeah. but I actually really feel like it." Do yeah. you mind watching me while I do this yeah, or like just to yeah. own it? I mean, Absolutely. that would be that would be a lot. I feel and like that would what? be a lot, but you could do it. If he doesn't want to get involved in that show, oh. then off you fuck. Yeah. Mm. But if he, you don't know, he might go, fuck, I'm into that, mate. Well, she's got, so this guy that she's with at the moment, she's been with, she's kind of seen him a few times and yeah. by the third time she said she was faking, right? Yeah, so, so she's come twice. Or she, she may have, <laughs> we don't have the scoreboard here. She may have. Yeah. So all I'm thinking is she's seen him on multiple occasions. Yeah. I think you just pretend that what's in the past is in the past yeah. and from now on you go, I'm not going to deceive myself or you. Yeah. And, you know, Stay very – if you don't, stay very quiet because if he doesn't yep. ask about it, mm. then, you know, sometimes I find just general noises, people might interpret that as that you yeah. did. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's just oh really – so, so quiet that they, it's Do very Do you remember obvious. that Seinfeld episode where Elaine – like Jerry, one of his girlfriends, says something about faking and Lane's like, oh. yeah, I faked every time with you. And fake, he's like, fake. no, you didn't. Fake, 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 fake. He's like, all right, one more go. <laughs> And you know what? It's human. Like I'm not trying to shit on men. It is human to want to pleasure the other person. I understand that it it would feel – it could feel like a disappointment if you Mm. haven't been able to, quote, unquote, achieve that. Mm. But let's be grown-ups about it. Not everyone's body can do that Mm. through intercourse. Not everyone's body can do that through oral sex. Not everyone's body can do that – Everyone needs something different and it's no fucking shade on the other person. Like let's just be honest. Own it. Yep. The sooner you do it, the better. Yeah, and the more you can be. Yeah, the sooner you do it, the better. Oh, Have the conversation. Don't let. The, don't this be in not a relationship you. with this person for a year and then bring it up. After a year, you can't say I've been faking for the year. No, then you have to just have to marry them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're just going to finish up with our last two quick segments. Uh, two of my faves, no shade on my ex, where you tell me something stupid that an ex has done. Could be trivial, could be deep. And he's a 10 but. Yeah. Right? Okay. So you're dating. It's a dating deal. But he's a 10 but he wears cowboy boots. I'm out. <laughs> Do you want that one first? Can I tell you my favourite yes. one that happened this week with lovely Lauren? She burnt rice in a rice cooker, Emma. I think you're, in being, a rice I think you're being too hard. I can't cook rice. <laughs> So I'm, I'm Team Lauren on this one. She's a ten. Did she remember to put water in there? Uh, I I Who can't okay. imagine how you it are a rice person. You know what you're doing in the kitchen. I see you posting photos of food, and I go, oh god. You pour rice. You pour water to the level. You I don't know play. how to cook rice, and neither does my husband. That's why you have a rice cooker. Anyway, anyway, okay. He's okay. a ten, but he's your cousin. Have you had the hots for a cousin? No, I haven't. But recently when the Queen died. Right. And someone was like, 
and you were thinking about Prince it. Philip was also her cousin. <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, she, Jesus, was he? Yes. And oh, then God. I was reminded that my friend who comes from a very well-to-do family and on the on the other side of the Yarra to yeah. where I live, yeah. like south of the Yarra, no. like that there was this family, there's yeah, people yeah. still marrying their second cousins. Oh, for sh- second cousins for sure. And there would have been periods in time and not too distant no. where marrying your first cousin was normal. And then you get the spare writing a biography about it. So, you know, it doesn't <laughs> matter how cute your second cousin is. If someone turns up to your wedding and they say, are you on the, do you need to sit on the bride's side of the grooms? And you say, yes. Put me on the singles table. Put me on the singles table. Like, yeah, (laughs) run a mile. You are ridiculous. (laughs) That is ridiculous. Stupid shit an ex has done other than your cousin. Uh, I'm going to share one from a friend where she was on a date with someone and then she went to the toilet and when she was at the toilet she got a text message and it was him texting his friend but he accidentally sent (gasps) it to her saying, this is a shocking date. Oh, God. So text carefully. Oh my god! Have you ever done that? I texted texted to the wrong person. Yeah. Um, I've texted to a group chat something that was meant to be a private yeah. thing, but I was in such a hurry to write it, it was just complete nonsense, and so I was able to go like, "Oh, sorry, delete," and then go, "Oh, oh my god!" But for the grace I did of God, it with an email. I still remember 1999. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was a hotmail account. I've never done it again. Like I'm actually really good because it wasn't too severe. It was fucked, but it wasn't like so, so what were severe. You, you were saying some shit Something about someone and you sent it I to the person. I was bitching about someone, which, you know, one Nelly shouldn't do Marie. anyway. I know. Can you believe it? 1999. Because that person's in your mind. So just be very careful, people. So then oh, I've, I still feel bad about it. I really do, but I've never done it again. I'm so careful. I once DM'd at something that someone professionally had tweeted and I was like, oh, that's Total. That's so out of line. Yeah. And I was trying to DM it to the person I was DMing mm. with my comment, but it mm. actually tweeted it. Oh. And then I went, no, I'm going to stand by that. Yeah, I left stand it there. By it. Yeah, mm. fair enough. Fair enough. Emma Race, you're a delight. Thank you so Love much you, for coming on. Seriously. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much to your listeners because um, the community that you've built is just extraordinary and exceptional and you're doing you're doing the Lord's work. Not oh. that I believe in the Lord, but you are doing the Lord's We're work. We're doing the ladies' work. Yeah. Well, you are, the heavy lifting and all that jazz. But, Thank you know, you. that relationships come in so many shapes and sizes and nothing is nothing's perfect. Like and nothing's one person set in stone. No. That's right. We're ripping up the script. And in the words of Whitney Houston, mm. the most important relationship you have, the greatest love of all, is the one that I found. And I do believe the children are our future. <laughs> They are. And Teach also, I want to dance with someone. Is code for I want to have sex with someone. Oh, well, I want to feel the heat with somebody. Yes, you want to feel it and yeah. the carriage heat. No shit, yeah. Sherlock. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, darling. Thanks, Nelly. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of a lot to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk it through.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy. And you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to Acast and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.